Oh, man, here we go for the Tuesday show. Get this week up and rolling. I am the Stretch RE. This is the world's only motocross rock radio station on the planet and the best rock station in all of Southern California. Sad but true. I should be playing Metallica right now because that is very, very true statement right there. Big 49 is growing and coming into neighborhoods all around the world, and we welcome you and thank you for listening to us. Don't forget, it is also a vlog on TheBig49.com, the Moto Show on Saturdays. There's The Stretch Show now chopped down into a podcast. We are reaching all things in the world of, uh, I guess, audible entertainment. That's what we are. We are an audible entertainment company, and we play rock and roll and deliver news and dumbness and a lot of moto talk a hell of a lot moto talk's the one thing we actually know what we're talking about <laughs> seriously and even then we're knuckleheads making dumb jokes about people pissing people off we've got people though with a sense of humor that are friends of ours that we uh, appreciate the hell out of those guys coming up in mere moments we will talk to the king let's just call him that that's what I'm gonna call him King Eli gonna be on the show Eli got the red plate didn't look like he was even going to be in the main event on Saturday. And then to be the only guy in the title contention to fight his way onto the podium in that mud bowl in lieu of what happened that day. A very impressive feat, but quick conversation. Remember, all of the access was cut in half on Saturday night after the massive, massive uh, weather delay that they had in New Jersey. So understand that and We'll take what they give us. We're glad to get our hands on Eli Tomac, and you'll hear that coming up in moments. If you missed the Justin Barsha interview, guy got his first win of the season. That uh, was yesterday, and we'll replay that in the middle of the show today. Outside of that, I've got one story I'm still sitting on. By the way, a political weird day yesterday. It was like there was a suicide back between CNN and Fox News, which are the opposite ends of the spectrum, Fox News fired um, Tucker Carlson, their biggest and most controversial host, and then CNN fired Don Lemon, their biggest and most controversial host. It was like they signed an agreement, all right, you get rid of this guy, we'll get rid of this guy, and then maybe we'll try to, like, be less uh, partisan, or, or be more bipartisan, because, right? let's face it, Fox is the right, CNN is the left, and there's others that are worse on both ends of the spectrum, but... I think both of them are trying to come back to middle ground. And I don't think firing either of those guys helped. I think Fox shot themselves in the nuts. Tucker Carlson was a really good show, man. And both of them will find a home because that's the way news networks work. Somebody's going to invest in either of those dudes. All right, I got a couple of great stories. I got a drunken Aussie that figured something out, and it's insane. This guy stole over a million dollars and didn't really get in trouble. It's, it's insane. I'm going to tell you this story, and I don't know how he did it, and I'm going to go try it tonight. <laughs> or maybe not, because I don't want to go to jail. Maybe that's how I fund the 49. This story is like, really? No one figured this out? It's crazy. And then I have some bad police stories today, and one of them right here in a city that we love, a city that is... Uh, where tons of Big 49 listeners are, Riverside, California. What happened, bros? What happened, dudes? Somebody screwed up. I'm not going to blame the whole department, but somebody's in trouble. They should be. Uh, this is crazy what, what happened in Riverside. 
then I got one out of Ohio that's equally like, whoa, somebody messed up, man. Then I will tell you, there is a huge new proponent of e-bikes. And we talk about e-bikes ad nauseum on this show and how they're the future because, well, douchebags like Gavin Dusham, the governor of California, is trying to ban all gas-burning everything by 2035. And we're like, everyone's going to be on e-bikes. We're going to be racing around on slot cars. Yeah, loud pipes save lives. Well, you better stick a freaking playing card in your spokes if you want people to hear you on an e-bike. But I tell you, who's who's pushing e-bikes? And it's the last people on Earth. The last people on Earth you would ever think. And I have a guy that lost his job in Espania. I had an Espania story yesterday where a waiter barbecued a bunch of patrons at his restaurant trying to serve a flambe. Well, today I got a Spanish high court basically ruled in favor of a guy that lost his job for being a massive uh, drinker. Uh, This guy drank and drank and drank and drank and lost his job. And now the courts say, no, yeah, that company's wrong. Like, wait a minute, what is this? Are the Spanish courts Big 49? Oh, yeah, you can be a drunkard and we'll let you come back to work here. What the hell? Ridiculous. But I got all these stories to get into. But up next, let's let it all rip with the King Eli. Guy that had a big crash. We'll talk to him about that and talk to him about the strategy of the rest of the season and the race on Saturday night. And we'll do that next, right here on a big... Four, nine. Big 49, it is the stretch show, and right now we are going to get a quick one with the reigning champion and current red plate holder, Eli Tomac of the 450 division. And Eli, man, what a day this was for you. You end up with a really gnarly crash in qualifying that looked like there was a potential you weren't even going to get back out there at all and race tonight and then we're all you know sitting in the studios going well maybe he just races and he takes it easy and he salvages as many points as he can and tries to make up the remaining points in the last few rounds like there was a lot going on then we end up with the mud bowl that is insane something we haven't seen in a very very long time in supercross and now here you are out of the three dudes in the dogfight for the championship points this season you're the only guy on the podium tonight and how does it feel man how good does this podium feel for you this evening just sitting here with us it just feels good it feels good i uh, i uh you know didn't really know what was going to happen i <clears throat> like the first 30 minutes my knee was was pretty stiff right. and uh but anyway it got better. The more, the, honestly, the more I rode, the, the better it got. So, yeah. um, that was just one of those things, man. I was like, just can't get ahead of yourself. Just try to take yeah. it weekend by weekend. And, uh, I mean, it was just the crash itself. It was literally the first, first, uh, first lap of that practice. And you're kind of just yeah. doubling down the lane and, you know, it, it tried to take me out. So I guess <laughs> you just never know. <laughs> All right. And by the way, uh, Eli, let, let's talk about it. I think what you said was spot on that you got better as the more you rode because in that main event, you didn't start off spectacular. You were in a good spot and no one was expecting you to, to really push it hard. And then here you come, boom, boom, boom. Walk us through when you started feeling good, when you started making moves and moving up on that pack in the main event. It was just, uh, <clears throat> yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I just, just found a good flow and then... Yeah. Um, I actually stopped jumping the finish line for a while and then went okay. back to jumping it. So okay. maybe I made a little bit of time up when I was doing that. I'm not sure when 
uh, Kenny, you know, yeah. stopped jumping it or, or what happened. But uh, I think I was making a lot of time there. Um, and then, yeah, just uh, it's just so yo-yo with these races. You, you never know what you're going to get. But uh, overall, you know, bike was good. It was solid. I uh, was able to manage the clutch well and, um, you know, was able to, to do my thing. All right. And, Eli, you've obviously seen everything. We know uh, last time I remember seeing you in the mud was at the Loretta Lens that year, and it did not go well for you. A very frustrating day. What is it that is key for you on a race like this when you know, all right, the weather is, you know, the absolute obstacle here more even than the course, so it's going to make our day bad or, or very, very different or difficult. What, what's your strategy when, when you realize, all right, we're racing in this muck bowl out there right now. What, what's going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I just I just think about uh, trying to get through that that those first couple of straightaways with, with clean vision. Like yeah. that's a huge part of the race okay. is getting through the first turn and, and the first uh, rhythm lane without like destroying your vision. So yeah. um, that's at least, my, you know, my mindset with these races. Okay. Uh, Eli, you've got the championship points lead right now. It's not really huge, but you're definitely getting some separation between you and Cooper and Chase is still looming back there. What's your strategy now? We got what three Browns left. You're going into the you know end of the season here. You want to hold on to that red plate and win that second back-to-back championship. Are you in management mode now? Are you in? I need to go out there and win these races and just put this thing away. Like, what's your mindset moving forward at, to manage the championship for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean the most important thing is just to just to take it weekend by weekend yeah. and try to finish in front of uh, Cooper and Chase and yeah, um, you just. You know, that's all you can do is literally weekend by weekend. So many things can happen. I mean, uh, just like my crash today in, in yeah. qualifying um, was was very unexpected. So yeah. um, that's where you can't get too far ahead with yourself. Um, but you got to you got to take advantage, you know, while you can. And, um, you know, we were able to do that tonight. All right. Well, congratulations on doing that tonight. And it seems like every night and when the chips are down and Eli Tomac needs to win or get on the podium, it seems like you always do. And it's very fun to watch. And this one tonight was something else. So congratulations. Hope you heal up and get back to 100% for next week. We'll see you down in Nashville. I am Stretch. This is the Big 49, your home of Moto Rock Extreme. Big, big, big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. After the crazy mud race in New Jersey over the weekend, the championship points are definitely taking shape. Eli Tomac now has an 11-point lead on number two Cooper Webb, and that is, you know, one race, especially when we saw Eli go down like we did over the weekend. Something like that happens, and everything will change in a heartbeat. Jay Sexton continues to slowly close the gap. He is now 21 points back from Eli Tomac and just 10 points back from Cooper Webb. Justin Barsha moves up solid in number four and is 50 points back from Tomac and six points ahead of fifth place Kenny Roxon, who's also looking really good. After that, it falls off to 90 points back for Jason Anderson. So the top five definitely separated from the rest of the pack at this point. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It's time to take a trip down under. You know I love the Aussies. Australia's on my bucket list of places to go and not die. That's the key thing there, though, Aussies. I got to go there and not die. That's the problem. Everything in Australia will kill you. But apparently not this guy. This guy, he can't get arrested. Well, he actually did get arrested and did some prison time. But let me tell you his story right now. 
This is... It's very unbelievable, but I don't think... It, it's like, I don't know if it was pride or what it was. But this dude stole a lot of money in Australia's and nothing happened for a very, very long time. In fact, nothing ever happened to him. He turned himself in for stealing all the money. And let's get to his uh, story. His name is uh, Dan Saunders. And he was out drinking with his buddies. And you know what happens when you go out drinking? You don't have any money. You're like, oh, crap, I ran out of money. Let me go to the ATM. So he goes to the ATM. And when he goes there, he checks his balance, and it says balance unavailable. So he goes, well, I don't know how much money I have, so I'm going to go ahead and transfer $200 from my uh, credit account to my savings account. So he transfers the money, and then the ATM says transaction canceled and kicks the card back out. And he goes, this is weird. So he goes, I decided to try and get $200 out of my savings account just to see what would happen. He said it gave him the money. So he went back to the bar and he kept drinking. Well, we got more drunk and on the way home, he's walking back by that ATM and he realized that was weird. Let me go see what's going to happen. So he walks up to the ATM, he puts his card in and he transfers another $200 from his one account and then 500 from his other account, then 600 from his other account. It just keeps doing it. He says it was a combination of being like drunk and bored, but he decided to push the envelope and he just started taking all this money out. Remember, so he's transferring from his checking to, to another account, from his savings to his checking, and he's pulling the money out. All right, well, he didn't have that much money in his savings account is the problem. So he says the next morning, he figured it was a dream. He remembered it. And then he said he rolled over and looked at his wallet. No, all that money was in his wallet. But then he said he looked, and his account showed that he was now $2,000 in debt. He goes, I figured I, it was a, it was just a lag because he took way more than that out. So he figured, okay, here's what I'll do. I'll go back, and I'll transfer more money, imaginary money. It's like Monopoly money at this point. And I'll transfer more money, and I'll put it in. And what he realized is that every night, somewhere between 1 and 3 a.m. in the morning, the ATMs go offline because they're servicing or whatever they're doing. So every night at that time, he would go there and he would transfer. He said he started with $2,000 and then he transferred $4,000 so he would make sure his balances weren't negative. And, well, lo and behold, he transferred $1.5 million in a very short period of time says he didn't tell his family what he was doing and whenever anybody would ask him where he had all this money the guy's a bartender by the way he works at a bar drinks at the bar and works at the bar makes 22 dollars an hour but this dude now has 1.5 million dollars and he's a very generous nice man he used it to go on vacations and to party with his friends paid off some of his friends college tuitions and just started having a, a great time he says he also was bagging bags of cash, taking the money, thinking it was going to end at any point. Well, then when he starts partying all around the world at this point, becoming a, a vacation uh, playboy, he says he starts to realize he's been a good guy his whole life. He's never done anything like this, and he's never been in trouble, and he starts to basically get a hold of his conscience. And he says he's having nightmares every night that the SWAT team's about to kick his door down and come and get him. Because he's realizing this is not fake money. This is real money. He's stealing real money. 
And the few friends he told, some of them said, you're nuts. I don't want anything to do with you. You're stealing. And his other friends are like, cool, let's party. His family doesn't even know what's going on. And sooner or later, he says, after having the nightmares and waking up in cold sweat, thinking the police were coming to get him every single day, he finally called the bank and he said, hey, I've been transferring money. And the bank said, you know what? This is a legal matter. We can't speak to you. He still said he had at home a bag of cash with $80,000 in it. And he goes, okay, well, I'm just now going to wait for the police to come. Well, two years go by and the police never come. This guy's done this whole thing. He's had this big party. He's been blowing $1.5 million. He had $1.5 million. They basically only had $80,000 in the... His checking account showed he had a million dollars, but they got that all back. You know, they deleted that. And he had 80000 at home in cash, and the cops never came. Finally, this guy says he got so worried about worrying all the time of when the police were coming to get him that he went to the media and started telling them what he did. He turned himself in. He said he figured he could have ran. He had enough time to run. He was thinking about going to Spain, to Palma Mallorca, which is a beautiful island in Spain. And he said he didn't want to leave all his friends and family behind. And he thought about that. And he had a ton of cash that he could put into their, you know, casinos. There's casinos there. He could put the, the money there. And casinos will hold your money because they want you to gamble. And they won't tell anybody who gave him the money or where the money came from. Well... He's getting ready to go and thinking about doing that. And then that's when he said no. And he went to the media instead. He did a bunch of TV shows. And when he did the TV shows, they started putting his story out there. And then finally, it kind of forced the hand of the authorities. They finally charged the guy with theft. But when he got to court, he said not only did the judge not understand it, the prosecutor didn't understand it, neither did his defense attorney understand how he had done what he had done. But he worked these this loophole in the ATM, so to speak, between 1 and 3 o'clock in the morning every day and transferred money, transferred money into his accounts that he didn't have. He said that, that when the ATM was down, it thought he had like unlimited funds so he could make these transfers and these people wouldn't catch it. And... Finally, they gave him one year in jail, and that was basically it. He said, this is how it worked out. He said that there were blank looks all around. No one understood what he did, and they basically said, all right, you're bad. This is bad. We're going to give you a one-year but 18-month community corrections order. So he didn't even do a year in jail. He had community service, and he is back at his bartender job. He says he learned in the face of temptation he's a horrible human being. And he did things he wouldn't think he would ever do, but it was so easy to do, he just kept doing it. That seems weird, right? Uh, I, I just like, how did they not catch this? I got to go to Australia and go get jiggy with it on an ATM, I guess, is what I got to do. That's how I fund the, the big 49 here. Yeah, this guy. Weird story. Weird, weird, weird story. All right. Coming up next, I got another weird story. We're going to talk about the Riverside County Sheriff. Moto Man, after I tell this story, they may be mad. I know we got a lot of bros out there. We got a lot of law enforcement that are down with us. But I'm going to tell a very embarrassing story that happened to them last Wednesday. Very embarrassing story. And I can't not tell this story because it's 
kind of comical. But we will get into this next. What the hell? What happened, Riverside Popo? It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Caught an Instagram post yesterday from Rockstar Energy Husqvarna's Christian Craig, where he is showing off some gnarly stitches from that elbow surgery he had. Remember, he had a big old crash in Arizona a few weeks ago where he dislocated his hip and his elbow. The elbow required surgery. Apparently, that surgery has gone well because he looks like he's home running around with his Frankenstein-looking arm. He's got stitches on the inside and outside of the elbow. Hopefully, he will heal up soon and get back on the bike. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Uh-oh, it's that time. Bad boys, bad boys. Except for today, the theme song is going to be changed. Bad cops, bad cops. What you going to do? Okay, let's go to Riverside right now, where we got tons of listeners, including law enforcement. Shout out to the Popo. Big 49's down with the law. Those are my peoples, man. But this story is interesting. You know what police have tons of? Money and drugs. They have them in lockup. They confiscate them. They put them in their lockups. They destroy the drugs eventually. And I'm sure the government comes and takes the money. But this is a crazy story. They were doing a sting. Undercover narcotics investigators of the Riverside County Sheriff's Office doing a sting. And around 4 p.m. on Wednesday, they met up with a drug dealer. And... After the transaction, they handed the guy 60 pounds of meth. They say a street value of 150 to $210,000. So I imagine they were selling meth to a drug dealer in an undercover operation. I guess they know it's worth 150 to $200,000 because I'm assuming that's what they got. But after the exchange took place and the cops moved in to bust the guy the guy took off hauling ass and he was going so fast and so crazy that they broke off the chase and they lost sight of the vehicle and the guy got away with 60 pounds of the riverside county sheriff's department's meth 60 pounds say it wasn't immediately clear whether investigators knew the identity of the drug trafficker Meth has long ravaged Southern California as the Riverside and San Bernardino, area, uh, San Bernardino County area, once known as the meth capital of the United States. So they got a lot of meth out there. Valley of the Dirt people, shout out. You ride dirt bikes and do meth. That's kind of what happens out in the IE. We, we all are aware of that. They say Border Patrol seized 75,600 pounds of meth in the first six months of 2023. And by the way, we're not six months into 2023. That's so far. Uh, And it's a a crazy thing. Over half of the seizures, about uh, 41,300 pounds, were conducted by Border Patrol in San Diego field offices. They're saying methamphetamine is a massive, massive problem. And while now there's 60 more pounds of it out there thanks to a screw-up by the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. How you let a drug dealer get away after you give him 60 pounds of drugs? 60 pounds of meth. That's a lot of effing meth. A lot of effing meth. I get it. Can't control everything. Somebody screwed up right here. 
I want to know who goes back in. At this point, this is like a movie. This is like a, a police movie. You go in, and your captain's like, "You idiots!" Yeah, and he yells really loud, and he says, "I'm gonna give you 24 hours to get those drugs back, and don't kill anybody." That's what he says. That's what's going on. I've seen this movie 37 times. He throws that at him. He says, "I'll have your badges if you don't get that back." Your ass. I don't care how long you've been on the department. I know you guys think you're good cops, but you just put 60 pounds of meth back on the street. I'd be. I could play that part. I could be that captain. I think I've had my captain yell at me like that. Yeah, something like that. Pretty sure. Pretty sure that happens. Well, there you go. So 5-0, let me just tell you. Remember, I'm not even a real cop. And I, I don't even have a gun. I'm, I'm, a, fa I'm a fake cop. I'm a rent -a cop. And I got captain yelling at me like that. You know why? Because the stretch out reinforces the law. That's what he does. And I never, I've never let 60 pounds of meth get away from me either. I've never done an under, undercover investigation, though, either. I haven't. I hide and wait for people to do crimes and then pop them sometimes. But I don't, I don't ever do undercover. They won't let me. <laughs> They're like, yeah, you know, you're a security guard. We're not doing undercover operations. We'll let the real police do that. I'm like, come on, bro. This is my little town. No. Nope. All right. Coming up next. Oh, let's get into a story about more Popo that did something bad. And they're probably going to be in trouble, too. Somebody is. It's the Big 49. The Man Entertainment Report. Yesterday was a crazy day to be a controversial news anchor. Fox News announced that they parted ways with Tucker Carlson, who's their highest and best show, and they are now done with him. And then CNN, on the opposite side of the spectrum, announced that they have fired Don Lemon, longtime host over there, who also is equally marred in controversy. All right, it looks like whatever magic rocks that Green Bay quarterback Aaron Rodgers bought at that rock store in Topanga Canyon a couple weeks ago, well, they worked because he got his wish and he has now been officially traded to the New York Jets and will resume training camp there as soon as it gets underway. Good luck, Aaron Rodgers. Proving my point that sobriety only works when you work really hard at making it work, Bam Margera is now a wanted man in Pennsylvania after he went, I guess, to the family home, beat up his brother, then threatened to shoot and kill everyone else in the house by the time the cops got there he fled into the woods they had not found him but they're looking for him and i got a feeling he's in big trouble how's that sobriety working out bam you should really work a little harder at it the man man entertainment with stretch big 49 it is a stretch show here and whew, coming up in moments we will hear from justin barsha his first win of the season if you missed that interview yesterday and then if you weren't around early this morning when the show started, we got Eli Tomac coming up again in the final hour of the Stretch Show, 11 a.m. Pacific time. All right, just a minute ago, I told you the Popo got a lot of things. They got a lot of drugs, and they got a lot of money that they seized from people. They got something else, too. Typically not seized. This one's out of Columbus, Ohio, though, not here in Southern California like the Riverside Popo. They gave away 60 pounds of drugs to a drug dealer and he ran off with it. Outran him. They cut off the pursuit. Wasn't safe. That's the thing. That's the bad thing about being the law. You gotta respect the law. And when you're a criminal, you don't respect life or anything. And the police gotta make the tough call to be like, all right, we gotta protect life and innocent civilians and 
let this one go. And Will Smith rolls up and jumps out of his Porsche and starts slapping people and shooting people in a shopping mall. And you're like, what happened? Bad boys, bad boys. That's what's happening. And he sees Chris Rock and he runs over and just slaps the piss out of him for no reason. I've seen the movie. Well, Columbus, Ohio, nobody got slapped and nobody got any drugs. But there is something missing that is rather important. 160,000 rounds of ammunition. And this isn't confiscated. This is the ammunition they provide to their police officers. And if you're a police officer, you shoot your gun a lot. You got to do target practice and you got to stay up on your marksmanship. So they go through a lot of ammo. So the city provides it for you and they put it in a nice little warehouse. And while they went to that warehouse the other day on the west side, and they're like, hey, there's not much ammo in here. So they called the shipping company. And they said, no, we shipped you everything we had from the warehouse. What's going on? They're like, no, we got a lot more ammunition than that. And by the way, this 160,000 rounds of ammo that was stolen wasn't for their sidearms. It was for their rifles. They say two men involved in another warehouse uh, theft in March are linked to this incident. The two individuals have been uh, charged with theft or receiving stolen property out of the initial warehouse that occurred the week prior to the theft of the ammo. So they don't even really know how long this stuff's been gone. 160,000 rounds of ammo, that's a lot of ammunition. They say they're joining those cases together and assuming that those guys are the same guys that stole from the other warehouse. That would be uh, 32-year-old James Scaff and 36-year-old Christopher Kimmel. No relation to Jimmy. They're being charged with theft. But Columbus police are still on the hunt for the missing ammo because they don't know where it is. And these guys aren't talking. They're like, we didn't sell you ammo. I know what you're talking about. And they're asking anyone that may have seen these two numbnutses haul away all this ammo or anyone that recently bought 5.56 ammo in recent weeks uh, to give us a call. They're even running social media ads on Social Media Marketplace going, hey, anybody know where we can buy this ammo? Because we're missing a lot of it. Yeah. They're tracking the lot numbers. They're trying to find it. They're doing the, the police work now. What's funny, the police work would have been protecting your stuff. Really. Securely protecting your stuff and not hiring criminals that can get into your warehouse and steal. Mm. They question the... Uh, Columbus police personnel and they said in the end all procedures were followed these were just bad guys that got into their warehouse and stole their ammo so we got the Columbus police department in Ohio losing 160,000 rounds of ammo and we got the Riverside County Sheriff uh, accidentally putting 60 pounds of crystal meth on the streets they sold it to a guy and then were unable to arrest him and he ran off with it Man, it's a bad week for the law enforcement. Popo, we're having a bad week this week. All right, coming up next, I'll tell you who's having a good week, even though he had a bad crash, looked like he was hurt. He's the man. His name is Eli Tomac, rides for Star Racing Yamaha, defending outdoor champion, defending Supercross champion. Got the red plate right now, three rounds to go. It looks like he may hold on to this biatch. We'll see what happens. Talk to him next. I'm Stretch. It's the Big Four Nine. 
big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. All right, the Big 49 is definitely got to tell you about this one. Not only are we the only motocross rock radio station on the planet, we're the only moto rock radio station that covers the entire planet, being that we are streamed 24-7 around the entire globe. And here's something really cool for the sport of Supercross. You know, the world Supercross is trying to make inroads and bring the sport of Supercross to the rest of the world, where typically it's just motocross racing traditionally. Well, now the world Supercross has announced all kinds of television partnerships for this upcoming season. And not only in America will we watch it like last year on FS1 and FS2, but now they're on the Dazen Network, D-A-Z-N, they're gonna have stuff in certain parts of the world, like Japan, Brazil, Sub-Sahara, Africa, Southeast Asia, and the Middle East. And then Warner Brothers Discovery's gonna offer uninterrupted live on-demand streaming coverage for, let's see, Austria, Denmark, Finland, Italy, the Netherlands, Norway, Sweden, and the UK. So that is a hell of a lot of Supercross coverage coming to the world, and we can't wait for this season to kick off this summer of the World Supercross and all of their television partners. Congratulations to everyone for just spreading the sport of Supercross throughout the world. I am Stretch, another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9. It is a Stretch show on a big old Tuesday. We're already getting in, getting there. Tomorrow's the humper, man. Get over the hump tomorrow. Shout out to everyone for listening. Shout out to all of our new friends. Everybody discovering us every single day as we are growing and growing and growing and bringing the Moto Rock Extreme to all corners of the earth. Thank you. Shout out to Eli Tomac for talking to us today. Shout out to Justin Barsha for talking to us. Tomorrow... Kenny F. and Roxon, the German sensation. Got him coming up here. Right now, though, I'm going to tell you about a guy that lost his job and, well, court made them give it back. Let me tell you what you would do. Imagine you're the employer in this situation. I got some Gypsy Kings playing right now. You know why? Because we're going to go to Espania. That's where we're going to go. We're going to go to Spain. This guy was an electrician and he worked in Spain and he worked for the same company for 27 years but I don't know if there was complaints against him or they just wanted to get rid of the guy or what the deal was but back in 2021 they hired a private investigator to follow him around because they thought something was up they thought he had a drinking problem guy smelled like beer all the time so they found him and they followed him and they had a private investigator take photos of him and this is what happened the first day 8:27 a.m you got a pi on your tail that's called a dick we'll call him moto man for short moto man's following you around in a van with his camera like he does to kenny roxon and he's taking pictures 8:27 a.m the guy goes to a bar and has a drink they take pictures. At lunchtime that day, he went with a co-worker, bought a loaf of bread, some food, and four cans of San Miguel. He also bought a one-liter bottle of Estrella. Later that same afternoon, the man was drinking another can of beer. All of this is on the clock. A little before 6.30 p.m., 
once again drinking another beer. He was seen buying and drinking another can of beer as he returned the van to the company parking lot. Next shift, Motorman still following him with his little van and his camera. He and two colleagues were seen drinking a total of seven liters of beer between mid-morning and the end of their lunch break. Seven liters of beer. Later that day, this is after seven liters of beer with you and your buddies, the next, later that same day, you're seen drinking 330 milliliter can of Heineken before drinking another can and then heading back to the company's offices. Six days later, Motoman's still following you around with a camera and you're seen drinking another 330 milliliter bottle of beer before lunch. And then at lunch, you're seen drinking three glasses of red wine followed by a shot of brandy. That was lunch. So the company brings them in. They're like, hey man, you've been drinking and working and you're a danger to society and to your coworkers and to yourself and you are fired. And he's like, what do you mean I'm fired? You can't fire me. I've been here for 27 years. And they're like, no, you're fired. So he sued, wrongful termination. And it's like, you're like, wait a minute, dude. You were photoed seven liters of freaking alcohol in a day. It's a lot of alcohol while you're working, especially it's a lot of alcohol if you're not working. A hell of a lot of alcohol while you are working. The guy goes to court and he wins and he gets his job back and he gets awarded damages. How? Because according to the uh, Spanish high court, they said, uh, hello, my friends. I see this man. He likes to drink the beer. Mucho cerveza. However, your investigation by the private dick, also known as Motorman, is incomplete because it does not show that this man was ever inebriated at work. Sure, he's a raging alcoholic that can drink seven liters of beer at lunch and apparently not be drunk. He also never got a DUI, never had an accident, never hurt anybody. Everything they accused him of what could have happened, which, oh yeah, by the way, could totally happen because you're drunk at work. None of it happened. And they're saying they failed to mention too that it was summertime and it's hot. And you know what you need to do when it's hot? You need to drink beer to cool off. I'm not kidding. This is the court's argument. So the court sided with the guy and proved that it said that he was never shown and the private dick, a.k.a. Motoman, never proved that at any point was he inebriated or showing signs of inebriation. And he won the court and he got his job back. So note to self, if you're a big drunkard, you want to drink on the job, move to Spain immediately. They will protect your drunken ass. Big 49 does not operate in Spain. You can hear it there, but we have no offices there. So I'll fire you for being a drunken bastard here. We'll have no drunken bastards on the 49. You'd be a drunken bastard in your own time. That's what we'll do. That works. Mono man, don't be a drunk bastard and stop following people around with your camera. It makes them not like you. All right, I'm Stretch. Coming up next, we are going to talk about the new source, the new consumer of e-bike. And it's not someone you would ever think of in a million years. And you're like, wait a minute, that can't happen. But it's happening. It's happening, Jackson. Talk about it next. It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ.
after this weekend's Mud Bowl East-West shootout in New Jersey. We're not going to see the 250 West guys race again till Denver, so let's look at the championship void standing. Jet Lawrence seems to have an unsurmountable lead at this point with a 39-point lead over number two, RJ Hampshire. Enzo Lopes moves up to number three, Levi Kitchen in four, Max Volan in five, and then at six and seven, two guys that didn't even race over the weekend, Cameron McAdoo and Mitchell Oldenburg. Pierce Brown of the Gas Gas team is in eighth, followed by Cole Thompson in ninth, and our friend Derek Kelly, who did not have a great night in New Jersey, is still hanging in the top 10 in the championship points for the 250 West. I am Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49. A little disco for you, a little electric slide. Yeah. My favorite electric song of all time. Whenever I go to a Moto Man skate dance party, clothing optional, I show up with my clothes on and I watch him and his friends dance and I, it makes me laugh. The electric slide. Ah, yeah. Get it, Moto. You're still my friend. I don't care how weird you are. You're still my friend. All right, let's talk about this one. E-bikes, we talk about them all the time here. They are the future of motorcycles and cars and lawnmowers and leaf blowers and everything in the state of California. It certainly looks like unless we get things fixed, Big 49 is working diligently to provide you information to try to get this fixed. Whenever we find someone that will oppose all of this nonsense and flip it back to normal, we will tell you about them. We will tell you about them. Right now, there's a group of people that are snatching up e-bikes like crazy. A lot of them in the Ohio and Pennsylvania areas. And, of course, I'm talking about the Amish. They say Amish in recent years are becoming massive consumers of e-bikes. And you're like, wait a minute, they can't use technology. Well, apparently, we're all mistaken in that thought. You're like, these guys drive around in a horse and a buggy. Wow, how are they okay all of a sudden to start riding e-bikes when they won't drive cars? Well, they say the Amish aren't banned from using technology, but they get together as a community and they look at technology and then they decide if it's basically good or bad. When a new technology comes, they wanted to discuss its effect on the church and the community. The technology should not be an intrusion into the home. And if it can serve the social purposes and goals of the group, they are open to new technology. All right, well, they also live in houses that don't have electricity. And remember, they don't hook up to electricity because that's the power grid and that's a reliance outside of themselves. And they are a completely self-reliant community. But they say the... Uh, benefit of having e-bikes all around the Amish communities is far outweighing any threat from the outside world and they now have solar panels which they own and are theirs and no one can control them so they can put solar panels up and charge their little e-bikes and they say it is much more convenient for them to 
you know, going to town to fetch something on an e-bike than it is to get out the horse, hook it up to the buggy. That's a pain in the ass. You ever had a horse? Just putting a saddle on one is a pain in the ass. You want to hook one up to a buggy, you got a nice little project on your hands. Then when you get back, you got to unhook it and put the buggy away and put the horse away, and it's a massive pain in the ass. Well, they're realizing e-bikes, you just zip around everywhere, get in, get out, got electricity from your little solar pads that you got set up, and the Amish are becoming big, at least certain uh, areas of Amish. Each community, like you said, makes that decision what affects their community and what is okay from the outside world and what is not okay from the outside world, and more and more of them are seeing e-bikes as very okay. The Amish church and uh, a guy who is a member of the Amish church and an owner of an e-bike shop in Ohio opened a place up and he has a, a, bl a blog and everything called e-bike life. And the Amish communities are eating them up. So there you go. They say their e-bike shops are powered by two dozen solar panels on the roof and they are entirely off grid. So shout out to the Amish and their e-bikes. Maybe Gavin Newsom should go be Amish. I'm Stretch. It's a Big 49. Big 49. It is Stretch Show. The Broham is here. It is time to pack it up and get the F on out of here. Shout out once again to Eli Tomac and Justin Barsha. Tomorrow, first thing in the morning, we will get to Kenny Roxon. And then on Thursday, we'll talk to Max Nancy. And then on Friday, we'll talk to Jet and Hanta, my favorite Aussie boys. They are my favorite Aussie boys. I do like me those Lawrence brothers. I... I, I like everything about them. I like the feature they did on them over the weekend in the Supercross where they were out. They have their own track, but they were invited the local neighborhood kids out and kids got to ride and they signed autographs and took pictures. And they've been a very, very positive influence on the sport of motocross, Supercross. And I, I dig those guys. So looking forward to seeing the future of the Lawrence brothers and, and as they move into the 450s, how dominant they will be. We're seeing that it's going to be a changing of the guard here in the next two to three years. You're going to see the older guys going away and the younger guys coming up, replace them. Yeah. We're going to see Jay Sexton really come into his own here. I'm excited about Chase too. See what happens though this weekend in Nashville. Boy, man, I wish the 49 was going on the road trip to Nashville. I would get my grub on in Nashville. I had a Supercross. My grub on. Then after that, I think it's Denver. Get to Denver, I get my grub on there too. Used to work in Denver. Jamie Danny, Jamie Jack and Stint show was all over Denver. We'd fly back and do these fun-ass party trips. I had a great time in Denver every time I went there. All right, I'm getting up out of here. I thank you guys for listening to us. Tell your friend. Tell 10 friends. If you have anything uh, to do today, put it all on hold and tell 10 friends. God, you got to listen to the Big 49. It's Moto Rock Extreme. That's what it is. I would appreciate the hell out of that. Trying to keep this behemoth going and fighting and staying in the fight against people with deeper pockets than we have. But we're doing, we're holding our own. Throwing haymakers is what I'm doing. I'm just throwing haymakers, throwing haymakers, throwing haymakers. Knocking fools out. Alright. I'm gonna bounce up out of here. I will talk to you again tomorrow morning. Until then, God bless you all.
God bless the United States of America. I'll see you tomorrow.